Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This is bullshit. Welcome back to Bullshit Filter the News, uh, episode three, uh, recorded Around about the 22nd or the 23rd of April, 2018, mm-hmm. depending on where you live. My name is Cameron Point Riley. My name is Cameron I'm Riley. Shut the fuck up, Ray. I haven't... Yeah, okay. My name is Cameron... <laughs> Smooth. Smooth as fucking silk we are. Four years we've been doing this. Still can't get that bit right. My name is Cameron Riley. Okay, Dramatic now... Dramatic pause. And I'm Ray Heron. <laughs> <laughs> And the third voice is uh, uh, a young fellow from somewhere in America. He'll tell us in a minute. His name's Sherlock. Uh, believe it or not, that's, a, that's his real name. Sherlock, um, long-time listener, I think, of our shows, podcaster in his own right. Uh, Sherlock heard one of our recent shows where we talked about um, uh, political correctness. Sent me an email, said, you old white guys don't know what you're talking about. Let me come on and school y'all into right. what the how the kids think about this. So uh, Sherlock Ortiz, is that how you spell it? Ortiz, that sounds a little bit uh, Latin American. Ortiz, how do you... Look, what a... Just Hortiz. fuck... Hortiz, just... You know, no one just has ever done that. No Cam. Just introduce yourself to us and everybody else, Sherlock. Okay, so hi, my name is Sherlock. Yes, that is my name. Uh, my father is Mexican, as you correctly deduced from the Latin American sounding name. Um, it's an old Spanish name, so it's a col- colonial name, not really a, a Native American name. But I am a college student, university student, in currently in Portland, Oregon. So the opposite coast from Ray, closer mm-hmm. to Cam, uh, where my heart lies. Uh, and I, yeah, I did have some opinions on, I have a lot of opinions on a lot of the things you guys say, uh, well, and fuck, I just you're, felt you're, you're I a good, come on and you're in good company, uh, but first of all, how do you pronounce your name? Sherlock Ortiz. Ortiz. I was right the first time, not Ortiz. And why do you, yeah. why do you have a British accent? Yeah, so, explain that. Uh, I have moved around a lot, and I have uh, lived in six countries. Um, I think the grand total count for how many times I've moved houses is somewhere on 16 or 17. And I I just picked it up. Uh, I did make a conscious decision to go more British uh, because I liked the accent more than American. So have you lived in England or you just decided at one point? I've lived in Guatemala, Mexico, Chile, Argentina, Spain, Chicago, and Portland in that order. So you just decided Americans suck. Uh, I'm going to pretend I'm British to distance myself from uh, America. Yeah, that's fair. Exactly. It's a good call. I must say, though, when I was about your... How old are you? I'm almost 21. In, less, uh, in a, a month. When I was when I was seventeen, eighteen, I too adopted a quasi-British accent. We we could sort of referred to it as a transatlantic accent, but because I didn't uh, didn't want to sound like the country bumpkin that I grew up with. Most Australians, <laughs> as you know. Yeah, uh, g'day, mate. How's it going? Yeah, mate. Fucking great. Yeah, I talk like that, mate. Eh? Yeah, yeah. And hey, I decided I didn't want to sound like that, so I. Uh, cultivated myself lost it a bit now but anyway welcome so fuck it let's get into it sherlock um what did well let's start obviously we say a lot of stuff that is that is wrong um what what was it in particular about the political correctness stuff that you wanted to discuss with us well the the main thing that uh kind of uh caught my attention was how you weren't aware of the trans uh transgender um, transact- transsexual issues because on a US college campus that's kind of all the rage and we discuss it a lot. I think on um, 
Friday, we actually had the third drag show this semester on campus, run and organized by students, which is very interesting. And that kind of connects in there. Uh, I, um, you talked about the whole pronoun thing and how you didn't know what pronouns people used. Uh, I think, mm. uh, and you stepped in and said maybe it's it's, which is very wrong. Uh, they don't use it's the most part. They, for the most part, people who don't identify with male or female use they, uh, although some others, people do kind of alter it. Uh, they, them. That's, that's, that's the main thing. And then I just wanted to discuss the news with you guys. Mm. Hold on. So uh, that's it. They? That's what I... <laughs> that's that's not that yeah. hard to work well, out. I, I say no, they, them all the time. All right, so that's... It's not. Okay, I also so that's just it. realized... Yes, that that is my great point. It's, I, I don't know why you introduced it, because I didn't introduce myself in my email as... I had some great revelations for you. I said, hey, maybe I can discuss some other things with you guys. Oh, I thought you just wanted to come and tell us how it is. So, yeah, okay, so that's good. Like, I I mean, I I don't want to position myself that I'm not aware of, uh, uh, I don't know, people of indistinct sexuality. (laughs) I probably, I I, I don't think I know any transgender People. I have lots of lesbian. Well, not lots. I have lesbian friends. I have gay friends, um, but I don't think I have any transgender f- friends, unless unless you count Ray. But um, that's. I mean, I think with Ray, it wasn't so much a conscious decision. I think just as he as he gets older, I'm just confused more. His dick is shrinking, and it's <laughs> it's actually going in now. So um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, All right. I'm, I'm, yeah, so you're you're going to well that that was yeah. a completely uneventful uh, uh, schooling yes, I, there, I, I, Sherlock. I, I was surprised that you introduced me as uh, I was well, coming on to say well, So you just want to you just want to stick around and talk, really? You just you yes. just basically invited yourself on <laughs> as a guest. You thought well. He had to. He's he's moved like sixteen times. Obviously, he's not popular anywhere. He's been driven out. So the only way he's going to make friends is to invite himself to parties. Yeah. Hey, listen. I mean, not entirely wrong, Ray. Yeah. No. Good for you. All right. Well, let's get into not it. Not entirely wrong. Listen. So the first thing I want to talk about this week isn't so much it's a news thing. It's a thing that's kind of been annoying me for a while, and I'm just going to get it off my chest. And this is. A criticism that uh, gets leveled at me a lot in in typically Facebook chats, and that's the criticism of "oh, that's just whataboutism." Mm. Are you guys seeing a lot of this? People using the term "whataboutism." No, I have not heard of that term at all. All right, well, let me school y'all in uh, whataboutism. So. Goes way back, I think, to the Cold Cold War. Um, one of the 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 standard responses um, out of the Soviet Union during the Cold War, when they were being criticised for something they were doing in terms of uh, 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 the way that they controlled uh, political activities across the Soviet Union countries, where they had puppet governments or, 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 or where they exercised a great degree of influence in um, a certain country's political system. Whenever they were criticised by the West, they'd say, yeah, but you guys do the same thing, right? Uh, you do, you know, the Britain mm-hmm. has its uh, puppet uh, uh, empire still after the dismantling officially of the empire in World War Two. America obviously has uh, its involvement in, in Latin American countries and, and other dictatorships that it's supported, etc. And this got, the, and, the, and the Western media labelled this whataboutism. And it's supposedly, uh, it's, a, it's a friendlier name supposedly for the old logical fallacy of Tukwokwi. Um, now, I thought, to quack we... Oh, you're kidding me. Fucking <laughs> hell. Can you hear that? These what are is the, it? Yes. These are the guys installing broadband down in my house. <laughs> Tell them to do it quietly. Yeah, hurry the fuck up and just don't make any noise. <laughs> Sorry, if you hear a bit of drilling, that's mm-hmm. uh, that that's broadband, and we cannot get in the way. I've been waiting 20 years for broadband. I'm not getting in the way of the guys no. finally installing. Um, we understand. 
Tukwakwe. So Tukwakwe uh, really is uh, the the appeal to hypocrisy. And actually, it goes back to something um, close to our hearts, Ray. It goes back to the assassination of Julius Caesar. So um, whereas Shakespeare claimed that uh, uh, Julius Caesar, when he was stabbed, said, et tu, Brute, you too, Brutus. Uh, another way it's often been translated in Latin, coming, I think, from Suetonius's account, because Plutarch says he just pulled his toga up over his head and, and um, bared his ass to them and said, yeah, check this out. Where's I die? Check out my brown eye. That's what I think of you. Um, according to Suetonius, he said, tu quoque brute filimi. You too, Brutus, my son. So tu quoque means you too. And, and, the, and in, in terms of a logical fallacy, what it means is, um, I, it, trying to get out of a criticism by turning it back on your interlocutor and saying, well, you're a hypocrite because you do the same thing. Um, the, the point being that just because the person accusing you of something is a hypocrite doesn't mean that their argument isn't correct, right? Uh, Which is right. fine as a logical fallacy. Just because mm-hmm. the person accusing me of something may be a hypocrite doesn't mean that their argument is wrong. And it's not a way to get out of an argument by just saying you're a hypocrite, right? It's called the appeal to hypocrisy. But the way that whataboutism gets used these days, um, I think, is is misinformed. And it is, in fact, a form of propaganda. And, and it's, a, it's a way of, of trying to shut down uh, uh, an argument by just accusing somebody of whataboutism. So here's how it gets used. Uh, it was used against me recently. Um, <laughs> You're fine. It's in. It's it's background noise. Yeah, that's what I say about my. I, sorry, what? We can yeah. hear you just fine. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the way it gets used, as opposed is, to the usual drilling, which is on Ray's side usually. Oh, hey, hey, Sherlock, getting down with the sex jokes, man. Uh, Sherlock, I can jump in a car and be there <laughs> in a week. So in, you might yeah. you might want to watch it. There will be a lot more yes, drilling. And then, go- and then, a lot more drilling going on in Ray's house uh, when he goes away. Uh, they don't have to sneak around so much. Um, hey, if you come over, I will buy you a bottle of scotch anytime. Thank you. I appreciate Ooh. it. Okay, so back to what about it? The way it gets used is, um, let's say somebody criticizes uh, uh, the Russian in- invasion of Crimea to protect their interests under Putin. And um, somebody will be criticizing them for that. And I'll point out that, well, the United States does the same thing. They're occupying Afghanistan and Iraq and Germany and Japan and God knows how many other countries. Um, So they'll say, oh, that's just whataboutism. Now, the problem is that by bringing up these counterexamples, I'm not trying to say that their argument is wrong. What, what, what I'm saying is, well, we have to uh, understand that this is the way that politics are played, is played, being played by all parties today, and that it's, um, it, it, it is bad geopolitics for a country that occupies and invades countries in, an, in its own right to criticise another country for doing that. That that it, that it doesn't hold any doesn't hold any water, and that we we have to see the actions. Let's say in the case of Putin, in context with the actions of other major geopolitical players around the world, and how they're conducting themselves, and how uh, um, you know it's it's uh, like it's 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 hypocr- it, it is hypocritical for a country with a lot of nuclear weapons, to, for example, to say that country B shouldn't have nuclear weapons. You know, that, and it's it's not to say that, it's not to shut down an argument. And it's not right. to say, well, you're a hypocrite, therefore your argument's invalid. It's say, well, hold on, we have to look at the entire, the entire context about how everybody is playing this game to understand why, in this case, let's say, Putin may feel the need to protect his interests, Russia's interests, in Crimea or the Ukraine or, or in Syria... Because he is just part of a global game that's being played. 
but people just throw this whataboutism term at you now as as some sort of get out of jail free card to try and shut down the contextual argument. And I've been seeing it a lot. I saw it a lot during the whole, um, uh, in the lead up to the, the US presidential election a couple of years ago, um, where, you know, partisans of Hillary Clinton online would be uh, pushing her barrow when, you know, if, if, if you pointed out the uh, uh, um, Obama's track record, military track record with drone strikes, etc., etc., um, they would say, oh, that's just what about us? If they were trying to criticise the GOP's position on something, for example. Um, so I, it's a thing that's kind of been pissing me off for the last couple of years. Um, I, think it, I think it's a nonsense uh, approach to a debate, um, but it seems to be kind of popular with a certain kind of, uh, certain kind of interlocutor out there. I'm interested that you guys haven't come across it. Maybe you don't get in as many arguments as I do. <laughs> I don't think we uh, like like uh, Sherlock and I said uh, we haven't heard that specific term what aboutism but I do agree with your interpretation and I will add on to it in this um, modern era of the post shame world if you're accusing me of something and I say would well, you do it too you're going to completely ignore that it's not going to be some kind of deal breaker or it's not going to stump you you're going to go but yeah 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 let's focus on you I accused you first so there is no shame there is no backing down you, you don't have to pretend to see the uh, the the that both sides are guilty because you're trying to put the other person in the corner so in this post shame world this is just one of those tactics that people try to win uh, not to not to validate some kind of deeper meaning but just try to win an argument normally talking heads on some television screen what the fuck is the post shame world that post is shame what I was about to ask. ray did you just invent that term right now because that is a great term no, that's that's uh, that's Ray's. Well, like he's got he's got you know fucking. What's, what's he invented Pulisilla. He's he's got. <laughs> <laughs> you know when Ray's wife first started having sex with a large black man, Ray 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 felt shameful. Uh, he was embarrassed, <laughs> but he got over it in time, and now he lives in a post-shame world. He's just like, oh no, fuck it, I'm just accept. What no. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'll, everything you just said is true. I have gotten over it because they made me watch. But the point is, <laughs> in, in this post-shame world, it doesn't matter. What's post? Stop saying that. What's the post-shame world? Where did that How come does that from? not make sense? Shame doesn't matter. I, I thought I heard it years well, ago, but maybe I invented it. But the point is, there is no longer shame. You don't have to admit anything. You don't have, even if someone puts proof <laughs> in your face, the truth does not matter. Well, you're talking think, about Trump. I, Trump doesn't. I'm talking about politics in general, but yes, certainly really? Trump, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sherlock, go ahead. No, no, no. no. I, I was about to say yes. I think in, you know, the Trump uh, administration, I think that that's very much a post-shame world. I also think even before Trump uh, was in the administration, uh, during his campaigns, there was a great um, – my political science professor and I were just talking the other day about this example where uh, someone on the GOP was – on CNN and he was saying, oh, crime is going up, crime is going up. And the CNN anchor said, no, cr crime is going down and we have the numbers to prove it. And he, he then said, well, but the American people think that crime is going up. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just mm. utterly shameless how he said, well, I, I don't care what your statistics say, I'm going to hand it to the people. Right. It, feels like, it feels like crime is going yes. up and that's all that matters, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Well, I don't know what this post-shame world is, but my, my, my final point on whataboutism is don't do it. Like, don't pull that out. It's bullshit. Like, address arguments on their merits and, and keep in mind that everything has to be considered in context. Geopolitics, as, as much as anything, you know, if countries are doing something, there are reasons why they're doing it. This gets back to, you know, sort of the... Some of the discussions we've had around the Cold War, Ray, on that show, and, and, and at some point we were talking about Germany and Japan's motivations. In fact, that Japan is how it got, I got into this last week. I was on um, uh, somebody else's uh, Facebook page. They, they were sort of... Um, there was this... Somebody posted this photo, a mate of mine here in Brisbane, who's a lawyer and a massive crazy conspiracy theorist, uh, posted this photo talking about how the U.S. government lied about um, 
the sinking of the Lusitania and 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 um, the the um, all the other the WMDs and all the other ways that they've told lies that we've talked about um, many times before mm-hmm. to, to justify getting into wars. And they talked about how they they knew about Pearl Harbor. And they lied about um, uh, uh, Pearl Harbor as well, and, and and not knowing about events. And they said, "Well, actually, I think the reason the the what they actually have, have lied about, or people are confused about, when it comes to the the genesis of, of of the Pacific War, is is that America had already declared war on Japan before the bombing of Pearl Harbor. They they were they'd put in place economic sanctions against Japan, which had crippled the Japanese economy." Um, because it's a tiny, tiny island nation, it relied on import and export to survive. The US and its allies cut them off well before the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Um, and was so, this before or after the invasion of Manchuria? There, around about the same time. But that Manchuria is not well, America. But then that makes sense why they no. But the US was trying to be part of the international community, so it declared war on Japan. Economic war. No, ec- economic sanctions are different from a declaration of war. Not really. Uh, not really. It's a declaration of hostility, but it's not a declaration of war. It's not saying, hey, we're going to go in there and appropriate everything you own. It's saying we won't let you into the club. It's saying we're going we're gonna to crush your country using economic weapons instead of bullets and, and bombs to achieve the same outcome. I mean, if you agree with von Clausewitz and war is an extension of politics by other means... That's all war is. War, economic sanctions, they're both designed to do the same thing, which is to exert a, a level of influence over your, your country, your political process, and your, your resources. Yes, but economic sanctions will not directly cause a complete cessation of uh, regular state and economic functions within a country. You won't get, you know, you won't have the bombings that completely destroy. Yes, you will have, you might have famine and you might have lowered industrial outputs and you may have great poverty, but it's not the same as uh, when the fire bombings of Dresden or the nuclear bombings at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No, it's not. I think it, it's not the same, just, but it's it's war by other means. Look at the U.S. economic sanctions against Cuba for the last sixty years. What is the purpose of the economic sanctions? This is true. That I will concede that. Well, what is the purpose of the economic Regime sanctions, change. though? Regime change. Change right. the government. Bring down the government. Yeah. They, they yeah. want to bring down the government by using economic sanctions. Now, if you're trying to bring down the government of another country, isn't that an act of war? Yes. Mm. I would, yes. All right. One for me. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't use whataboutism. Now, let's get on to uh, Nexium. I Have you guys heard of Nexium? Because I just heard about it this week, and I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with Nexium. <laughs> no. No, this is the first I've heard of it. Could we, could we just run down the entire list of topics to see if Ray and I have heard of any of them? Well, Ray should, because I sent him my fucking notes, but you, I guess, you, you, you get an out. No, I mean, I haven't heard of that. I Until you that saw my notes. Word or- yeah organization until I, yeah, yeah. I heard I heard about the actress but not about yeah that particular so this has been going on for years and no one told me about it. I'm kind of pissed that no one's told me about this before now so we start our own yeah oh man well that's see that's exactly where my head goes every time is why am I not the leader of a sex cult really I mean what's he got that I don't have this is at a kind of it bothers me on on several fronts you know it bothers me that I, I'm not the leader of a massive um, sex cult. And and secondly, well, it bothers me that I feel like yeah. I should be. I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> that, that's my first reaction to these things well, is I want to be a cult leader. Anyway. It's true that you're an Australian, but you are still a semi-decent human being. That's what's holding you back. <laughs> D-back. That's my cult. You are. My cult is D-back. That's going to be my... That's right. Actually, uh, I got chatting... Uh, <laughs> Going off the subject for a minute, um, uh, uh, Chris Chris Gulch, who I, I may have mentioned this on our show last week, Chris Gulch, local Brisbane boy, listener of the show, he told me uh, in a chat the other day that he's been using D-back in his office and it's starting to catch on. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about setting up like a corporate training program, executive training program, where I just, 
I teach D back and turn it into a philosophy. And that's kind of what Nexium is. So maybe I am on the on the on the on the fucking runway for setting up my own sex yeah. cult. So Nexium and, and it's so what's Nexium? Yeah. It's 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 spelled N X I V M, but it's pronounced mm-hmm. Nexium. Don't ask me why. I have no fucking idea, and I don't know what it stands for. But it um, it's based in uh, Albany, New York, and it was founded twenty years ago by a guy called Keith Raniere. Now, Keith mm-hmm. Raniere does an- he own Ryanair? No, he doesn't. Um, now he is, uh, he's just been arrested. Um, but his background is he, he, he was sort of raised by a, a single mother, uh, was apparently a gifted child, um, according to his mythology anyway, had a massive IQ, could speak in full sentences at the age of one, um, played concert level piano and blah, 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 blah. Um, mother died when he was fairly young. He ended up setting up a, a multi-level marketing organization called, uh, what was it called? Uh, something byline. You gotta, uh, huh? you gotta watch those marketers. Yeah. Marketing man. They're, they're dirty. All of them. <laughs> uh, he set up a multi-level marketing program called something, something byline. Anyway, um, got himself into a lot of trouble when it was, it was, it was, classified as a pyramid scheme and 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 he had to settle some charges with the federal government um but then he set up this other thing nexium out of it now apparently uh, on the surface it's like a training company it runs things called executive success programs so they run around and they they train uh executives i guess on how to be i don't know something like more successful a winner, yeah, 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 yeah. A winner. Oh, but, I think I have heard of this. Yes, but it's really a sex cult <laughs> underneath it. Um, now, Jeez. yeah. So the story hit the headlines a couple of days ago when an actress, Alison Mack, who was in a the Superman show Smallville that ran for I think in like the the nineties, which um, I think I never saw. Two thousand one to two thousand. 11 yeah really fuck okay the 2000s yeah might as well be the 90s it's all it's all in the distant past to me um sure. she was she she was a, <laughs> she was one of the the main actresses on that she um was arrested recently appeared in court on charges supposedly was working allegedly was working for the uh, sex trafficking organization um as a recruiter mm. she was bringing women in um to this uh sex cult um she plead she pleaded pled pleaded pled pleaded we'll go pleaded, pleaded. she pleaded not guilty pleaded. Yeah. now i watched yeah. a bunch of videos um over the weekend on uh you did on this guy and, yeah 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 now now some may say i i was you know using it as training i i wouldn't go that far but <laughs> he was <laughs> about and there was a woman um who was also an actress who was part of this organization for like 12 years. Um, and according to her, the, the, she, got a, she got an invitation. It sounds very much like Scientology, man. You get in, they tell you they're going you know, to teach you the skills to get rid of all of your hang-ups and be successful. And you spend a lot of money on training courses and you go through the levels. And then the, the higher up you go, the weirder and creepier it becomes. Um, she claims this, this woman that, uh, I watched an interview with that she got this, the, the, the woman who runs the organization with Ranier, I think her name is Mac. Uh, oh no, that was Mac. That was the actress. No, something else. I don't know. Right. She, she got invited to this special thing. She had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. She got invited to this, uh, special meeting. There was a bunch of other women there. They were all told to take their clothes off and then they were branded sure. with his initials, in their uh, groin area, and um, kinky. <laughs> it's lots of words for it, Ray. Kinky, I don't think, is the first one that comes to mind. Um, I don't know. You want to lead one of these? Now this, yeah. now this guy apparently had a rotating group, uh, according to investigators, allegedly had a rotating group of fifteen to twenty sexual partners, uh, all women, m- many of whom were married. Yeah, he had a harem. 
um, that yeah. he would sleep with, and they would bring and, and this actress, Alison Mack, uh, allegedly her job was to uh, bring new women into his harem. Um, and this has been going on for well twenty years, and I, you know, again, I'm just sort of shocked that I don't Wasting have my, my own life. don't have my own sex cult. Yeah, what yeah. happened? Where did we go wrong? Ray, that we don't have our own sex cults. At this. Podcasting would be great. Fuck yeah, that. I just, you know, it's, uh, what do you call it? Um, bucket list. Bucket list goals, Ray. Bucket list goals. Yeah. That's what we should have. So Ranieri uh, was arrested in March of this year, uh, indicted on federal charges, uh, arrested in Mexico on sex trafficking charges, um, and forced labor. So apparently the women uh, also are forced to work for him. Fascinating that this is going on, um, and uh, I just heard about it, and I haven't been invited to be part of it. I mean, really, that's that's what it comes down to. You should you should be do marketing for them. Yeah, moving right along. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I read a report the other day which I found interesting, particularly in light of the Cuba transition. So, as you as you may have seen in the last week. Uh, Raul Castro, brother of Fidel Castro, retired as president of Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think shocking uh, many Western observers. Uh, they, they didn't believe that a Castro would willingly give up power. Now, when, when Fidel retired uh, 10 years ago due to ill health and, and passed the presidency over to Raul, his younger brother, um, who's in his 80s now. Uh, Raul, one of the first things he said is that he was going to introduce legislation or changes to the Constitution, I think, which would limit the office of president, the holder of it, to two five-year terms. And then in 10 years, he would retire. He's, he's literally pulling a sulla and right. willingly giving up the role of quasi-dictator, as the West would have to believe. <laughs> yeah, who gives up power? Sulla and Raul Castro and Fidel Castro. <laughs> and Tim Ryan. Who's Tim Ryan? <laughs> the Speaker of the House, third man in line to be president. He's age 48. He's walking away from it all. You mean Paul Ryan? I don't Ryan. think it's Tim. Yeah, Paul Ryan. <laughs> Paul Ryan. Sorry, I don't know, I don't know his name. Who I are you? How did you get on this show? Paul, Tim Ryan? <laughs> I don't know his name. Then why did you say his name? I was taking a chance, and believe it or not, I missed. (laughs) I occasionally do that. You had a one in 10,000 chance, and you thought, fuck it, I'll take it. Like, it worked when you... I was using the force. It worked when you hit on your wife. You thought, look, she's way too good looking for me. I've got a one in 10,000 chance of pulling this off. It worked... Ever since then, you've gone, you know I'm what? i throwing it, baby. Yeah. Put it around. Hey, yeah. if, if you don't take swings, you're never going to hit the ball. That's your... That's this, this was his victory lap, and he missed. <laughs> <laughs> I tripped over third. Please continue. <laughs> so Raul Castro retired a few days ago, um, and, and power was handed over to a guy called Diaz Canal, who is who, his member can of the... I, can, I, can I say that name? Oh, please. please, yes. Diaz Canal. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. Wow, that sounds so sexy when you say that, Sherlock. I like, uh... Now, this time, whisper it. I, I want an invitation to the cult. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, just, I can, you know... I, can be a speaker. I was just looking at the at the uh, Nexivum website and they have a message in both spanish and english so i i think you should equal opportunity uh, yeah i, I did should, see that to be the spanish translator their, their, spa- Ooh, their yes. message was it's not true we're not really a sex cult <laughs> come join us bring bring cash yeah particularly if you're a hot woman <laughs> um bring lawyers money yeah That's right. so back to diaz canal so diaz canal um is taken over. Much, much younger guy, uh, been close to the Castros for a long time. Interestingly, he was born the year after the revolution. So, um, as I, <laughs> he's the child first. Child of the revolution. Yeah, child, yeah. And, and uh, he is, you know, he, he's a guy who didn't have to fight in the revolution. 
Um, and as I put it, he's the Tim Cook of Cuba. Uh, nobody found that funny or interesting. Nobody even liked my post. I don't think anyone got it, yeah. but I got it. I think it's Tim Ryan. <laughs> that's, that's, <how> I- <laughs> that's where you went wrong. <laughs> Because the please, Tim Cook, please explain that analogy. Well, the analogy oh, is when Steve Jobs or, or, or Bill Gates, and I witnessed this um, at Microsoft, when you have the when you have the founder of the company launched him on another Microsoft tangent. God damn it, Ray! When when you have Here the we go. we've heard of this at least five times. When you have the founder of the company uh, at the top, and they give orders. People tend to obey and listen and go along with it because they're like, well, this guy fucking built this thing, so he knows what's going on. I'm just a mere mortal, but this guy built this thing, so I'm going to go along with it, right? Um, it's like if, uh, the same way the Americans still bow down and, and um, kiss the feet of the original tax dodgers, a.k.a. the founding fathers. They're like, well, they built this thing. They must know how it works. Um, it's the same with Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs famously had what people referred to as reality distortion field. He could say anything and people would believe it because he was Steve Jobs. Like, well, fuck, he built this thing. I didn't, so he must know what's going on. But then when Tim Cook, or, or, or in Microsoft's case, uh, Steve Barmer or, or any one of the guys they've had since him, the new guy whose name I can't even remember, uh, is at the top. People don't tend to listen to them as well because they're like, yeah, dude, you just, you know, you joined afterwards. Like, what the fuck, really? You're just, uh, you're surfing on the coattails of these guys. They don't have the same level of inherent respect and credibility is my point. And so Tim Cook, I think, suffers <clears throat> from that, even though he was but Steve he wears, Jobs. he wears turtlenecks. Even though he was, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Tim Cook. No, no, no. Wow. Tim, even though other people are wearing jeans, even though Tim, <laughs> Tim Cook was Steve's right hand man for many years, very good operator. Um, he's yeah. not Steve, and, and I think Sorry. this is the problem with Diaz Canal, Miguel Diaz Canal, who is the uh, the new president. <laughs> he he didn't fight the revolution. He's not a Castro. Um, he hasn't single-handedly held off the world's greatest superpower that just lives next door for the last sixty years with a with a harsh glance. Um, but uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But here's my point. So despite all of the predictions from particularly American media that the Castros would never give up power in Cuba, the Castros gave up power in Cuba. They 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 handed <laughs> it on. Ryan. Walked away. <laughs> Fucking. What was the other one? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be another ongoing joke now of Tim Ryan for the next 10 years. Like Keenan Thompson it's like- instead of George Keenan. It was Keenan Thompson, who was the cold <laughs> architect of the Cold War. Or like, or like, uh, ah, who are the, who are the two senators in the Rome podcast that always show up? Barry and Stan. Yeah. Barry and Stan. <laughs> I've got some, I've got, I've got a Barry and Stan Barry T-shirt. And Stan, Tim Ryan and I've George got a Thompson. Barry and yep. Stan T-shirt that's coming out very soon. I'm, I've been working with uh, one of our listeners on the designer. Anyway, anyway, um, fucking. So they handed it over uh, to to this new guy. Uh, now, uh, yes, Raúl is still the chairman of the Communist Party. And they still only have the Communist Party, but they've handed it over. But the American media. I was reading the American media, and there was a couple of things that I found fascinating about this. The American media coverage wasn't, well, fucking congratulations to Raul Gastro. Like, well done, sir. You said you were going to give up power. You gave up and power. You You're a fuck. Fu- that's way. Well, yeah, exactly. We tip our hat to Raul Castro. <clears throat> he said he was going to do it. Life. He did it. There's a man of integrity. Maybe right. we misjudged him. No, no. The American media was like, fucking Cuba. They, they're a bunch of cunts. Um, they, they. They were going on and on and on about how, uh, you know, the, the usual stuff for Cuba, like as a, like they ran o- deliberately ran over your pet kitten and then back back over it again. <clears throat> um, uh, uh, just outrage on behalf of the American media. But the, that was the first thing that, that, that struck me as amusing. The second thing was the first story that I read was in the New York Times. Now, people who listen to our Cold War show know that 
um, you know, I have a very low degree of of respect for the New York Times, and I spent three hours dissecting uh, their obit on Fidel Castro and pointing out how flawed and biased it, and 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 just plain bullshit it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing for me when they were talking about this is they talk a lot uh, whenever they bring up Cuba about the the economic conditions of Cuba. But it's always portrayed as well. Fucking the Castros made a balls up of that, didn't they? Like they've they've you know it's completely ruined. The yeah. economy's ruined. There was not a single mention in the New York Times article that I read of the economic sanctions that America has had on Cuba for sixty years and the effect of that on the economy. Um, right. I also read uh, was it what was? Hold on, let me look at my notes. There was another one that I read. Uh, L.A. Times. L.A. Times didn't mention the sanctions either. Went on and on about the economic conditions in Cuba and how harsh they were, how hard it was, um, but didn't mention the economic sanctions. The U- uh, USA Today coverage did. Um, uh, one of our one of our uh, other li- uh, American listeners with a British accent, Tommy Moquette, uh, uh, said that the BBC's coverage did that he read, but. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, if anyone sees a mainstream media uh, article about the transition of power, do me a favor, r- read it and and count how many times they mention how hard the economic conditions are in Cuba, and then count how many times they mention the role of the U.S. sanctions in those hard economic times, and uh, let me know what the count is because I'm really I'd love to do a study, an informal study about how the American media is is treating this issue, just as an example of mm-hmm. the, the in, insidiousness of the bias of American media in this kind of stuff. Like, I think your average reader wouldn't pick it up. They'd read it and they'd go, oh, fuck, that's, uh, gee, those, those Castros yeah, have really made a fucking yeah. mess of Cuba, right? They've, they've really, uh, it's tough down there. They've really fucked it up. Without thinking for a, a minute about the role of the U.S. in in creating the conditions of uh, the the economic hard times, right? Now, adding to that, seeing as no one's jumped into the gap, um, I read a story. <laughs> it's from last well, year. Ray and I aren't really gap jumpers, now are we? No, no. Look, you know what do I refer to gap jumpers as? They or them? I'm not sure. Um, don't don't bend, just don't bend over don't bend over and pick up the soap if you're ever in a hotel room with ray sherlock or you'll see how quickly he jumps into the gap that's all i can say uh i read an article it's all about uh, context i read an article um uh admittedly it's on global research uh which isn't the most uh unbiased of sites but this this seems to be uh, relatively well. I think it was originally on uh, Truthout. It's it's backed up by. Um, it seems like pretty good data. Um, it says U.S. provides military assistance to seventy three percent of the world's dictatorships. Um, goes through uh, uses a range of sources, uh, including congressional budget uh, 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 information, U.S. Department of Defense and Department of State joint reports to Congress to work it all out. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, out of all of the countries in the world that Freedom House classifies as dictatorships, I think mm-hmm. there's forty nine nation states. As of 2015, the Freedom House declares as dictatorships. You want to know what they are? Okay, I'll tell you. Afghanistan, Algeria, Angola, Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Belarus, Brunei, Burundi, Cambodia, Cameroon. Yeah, that's me. I am a dictatorship. Uh, Central African Republic, Chad, China. Democratic Republic of the Congo, Republic of the Congo, Cuba, Djibouti, Egypt, Equatorial Equatorial Guinea, Eritrea, (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Ethiopia. If you can't remember the show, you're not allowed to laugh at my pronunciations. Gabon, Gambia, unless you're Latin American, then you are allowed to correct me. Iran, Jordan, Kazakhstan, Laos, Libya, Mauritania, Myanmar, North Korea, Oman, Qatar, Russia, Rwanda, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan, Swaziland, Syria, Tajikistan, Thailand, Turkmenistan, Uganda, the United Arab Emirates, 
Uzbekistan, Vietnam, and Yemen. Venezuela isn't on that list. No, no. Well, they have election. They have elections in Venezuela. They go through the motions. You can. Well, I mean, the Carter, uh, uh, whatever it's called, the Carter Institute, I think, monitors the elections there and said that they're reasonably free and fair, last I heard, but that was a while back. Anyway, um, now, out of all of those countries, uh, the US currently supports 73% of them. Obviously, the exceptions being Cuba and Russia and Syria and North Korea, uh, and China. Uh, but I think the rest of them they support. <laughs> There's a handful that they don't support. Yeah. So well, I, I was... Yeah. yeah. No, I was just thinking about this. I mean, some of them... Um, and I think the point that you're trying to make is that we, we uh, support them militarily. We provide them with military assistance. So some of them we probably give missiles to so they'll be on our side, uh, which costs the taxpayers money. Some of them we probably sell to like the uh, United Arab Emirates. Um, obviously, they, they buy a lot from us, and Trump is very happy about that because it brings in money. And uh, but, but I think in this day, uh, day and age, and you were talking about this on one of our freaking shows, I can't remember which one, uh, in the Cold War 2.0, if we, do, if we do not supply these people with arms, either China or Russia will. And as long as we're the ones doing it, it's a zero-sum game in that regard, and they won't be, hopefully, supplying them with arms. So they'll be our dictators. It's okay if they're dictators, they're hurting some, some other people, not Americans, but they're our dictators. Yeah, so by... I don't feel like they're my dictators. I don't, I <laughs> not don't yours. Tell, I don't get to tell them what to do. Well, you won't be in this country long anyway. Isn't it time for them to be Anyway... I am a U.S. citizen through my mom. Oh, so. oh congratulations. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to make the point that I, I think that um, people like this are up for sale and it's either us, China, or Russia that are going to get their interests. <laughs> be careful of be careful of mentioning your mum, Sherlock. Ray's already uh, got plans to have a crack at my mum when we're in Europe uh, later on this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now... <laughs> By military assistance, uh, what the article means is combination of um, military sales, uh, mm-hmm. military training. So a lot of these uh, countries get U.S. military training as well in military. So look, we'll sell you the guns and the bombs and the planes, and we'll show you how to use them properly, so you can yeah, point that and that way. Prop, so you can yeah, point it at the lefty and just pull the trigger. <laughs> <clears throat> point it at the person trying to win their freedom. So, so yes, Ray, you're right. And, and this gets back to something I think we've talked about before, the Kirkpatrick Doctrine. Have I bended your ear it over that? familiar. Remind me. There's a woman um, called uh, Jeannie Kirkpatrick. She um, was uh, big during the Reagan administration, had some position at the White House. I can't remember where she ended up. But um, she... She came up with this this rationale for why America should support right-wing dictators, particularly in Latin America, I think, at the time. And she was like, well, look, the enemies of the right-wing dictators are, are left-wing organizations, socialist, communist organizations. And, and, and if the left gets power in that country, they're probably not going to want to do business with us or they're not going to give us access to their natural resources or their markets. They're not going to support us with votes in the UN, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, the, 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 the sure. socialist countries don't like us. So right. our interests are best served by supporting brutal right-wing dictatorships. Damn. Because they are more likely to thank us and vote how we want them to vote in the UN and give mm-hmm. us access to the things that we want. Um, so that was, it's called the Kirkpatrick Doctrine. It's a real thing. Look it up. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's literally, not literally, because I'm paraphrasing. But that's basically what she said. Um, right. And the Reagan administration went, fuck, yeah, there you go. That makes a lot of sense. Let's go and support all these right-wing <laughs> dictatorships. Jeez. And America's done that ever since. Um, so, the, 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 like, the crazy thing is, I guarantee if you look at the press coverage of all of those countries I supported... Uh, in, in, in American media, 
um, and you you add up the column inches or the newspaper, uh, sorry, the, the television coverage or the radio coverage, that is critical of the 73% of the dictatorships that America supports uh, mm. versus the, the inches that are critical of the countries that America doesn't support, <laughs> the 27% that don't take money from America or weapons from America or training from America versus the 73% that do. Who do you think gets the most column negative criticism, column inches in the US? Yeah, yeah, the 27 so this is the kind of thing that I think people tend not to think about, tend not to understand, is that the US is actively supporting militarily 73% of the world's dictatorships, but I guarantee you, you rarely hear about that in the American media um, because, you know, you have a free and fair uh, fourth estate, democracy, baby. Uh, that's right. what you get with a free media is, well, let's not talk about that because that's well, uh, it's not something we want people to really think about. I think we do have a free and fourth, uh, fourth estate, a free and fourth, fourth estate, uh, free and fair fourth estate, but, you know, uh, criticism of the US doesn't sell. So they won't print that. Yeah. It's not necessarily that they're being controlled. It's just that the market won't allow it. No, you're right. I mean, that's but that's that's capitalism, right? That's that's where capitalism right. ends up. You end up with a bunch of wealthy people, small percentage of wealthy people that control the media and the political um, process, uh, and which go hand in hand, and uh, they're going to they're going to uh, make sure the media represents their interests, which is why I always laugh when I have. Uh, get into discussions with the, with Americans and they talk about the left-leaning media like MSNBC. Hey, really? One of, one of the yeah, it's owned by GE, one of the largest companies in the world. You think it's left-leaning? Really? Like do you understand right. what left-leaning means? Left-leaning are those are those yeah. people who sat uh, who are currently protesting in France. I read a lot of French news because I'm trying to practice my French, and there's currently all sorts of strikes going on there. They they have real left-leaning media. There's some scathing remarks about Macron's uh, neoliberal policies going on there. Yeah, good. It's and like, you know, and the thing I always love about the French protests too is they don't march in the streets with banners with rainbows on them, and they'll set fire to your fucking cars and torch <laughs> the streets. French, French French don't fuck around. No. They have a good history of that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on. What, what's, what's the time? What, what is it? What is it? You got oh, 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Shit. I got three minutes on my clock, but okay. Um, uh, 10, three. Let's, let's do something a little bit light. Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's light. Mike. The person sh- or the subject? Well, I both. I he's light either. Uh, no, no, no. He's a big fat fuck. Um, Alex Jones and Mike Chernovich. Now, these two guys, um, if, if you follow them at all, you know that they're just crazy uh, alt-right um, ranty uh, right-wingers who uh, it's deliberate political theatre is the only way to really interpret it. Um Right. It's it's performance theatre, right? They're, they're just putting on a show designed to appeal, a bit like Trump, right? It's it's political theatre, it's performance theatre designed to appeal to a certain demographic, um, either, you know, low IQ or just uh, rich people. An pe- emotional element, yeah. <laughs> rich people who, I don't know, want to laugh. Anyway, the point is that um, they're both having an existential crisis at the moment because Trump bombed Syria. Now, mm-hmm. you, we talked about Trump bombing Syria, um, I think, on a show last week. And obviously, for new listeners, Ray and I did a 25-hour arc on the Syrian civil war on this channel uh, last year. Um but, of course, Trump, during his campaign, uh, uh, and even before his campaign, was very critical of American involvement in Syria. Wasn't, wasn't going to go there. You know, if Obama bombed Syria, it would be, uh, it would be a, a, a crime. 
Um, and uh, he wa- he wasn't going to do that because he he wasn't a hawk like Hillary Clinton. But of course, then he went and bombed Syria, not once but twice. And over the last couple of days, Alex Jones and Mike Chernovich have had fucking breakdowns <coughs> live on air, uh, yelling, <laughs> screaming. Alex Jones cried on air over Aww. how Trump <laughs> Trump had been manipulated by the left. The left, we're not in charge of anything. By the left, the by the liberal media, uh, and by the U.S. deep state, into uh, bombing Syria, and they're both disowning Trump. The two biggest voices, probably, along with Breitbart for the alt right, uh, have disowned Trump in the last uh, couple of days because he bombed Syria. They said he's he's done. They're, they're, they're disconnecting themselves right. from Trump. He's done. He's over. Which um, I find fascinating. By the way, Alex Jones also backtracked last week on the Sandy Hook shooting. Yeah. Um, as people may or may not know, when the Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook shooting happened, uh, however many years ago that was, um, 2012, six years ago, Alex Jones has asserted ever since then that it was either fake or a false flag um, shooting, right. but most, mostly fake. You know, there's this accusation that the parents of the children who appear in the media are just actors, that the, oh. whole, the whole thing is just, is just uh, yeah. fake. So um, some of the parents of children who died uh, and some of, I think, the teachers, no, it's just the parents, uh, are, are suing. Yeah. Suing Alex Jones, uh, seeking a million dollars in damages, and uh, only a million. Yeah, that's what I read. Yeah, at le- well, maybe it's at least a, at least a million, maybe lower end. Um, and Jones has now recanted and said that he believes the shooting really happened. After six years, oh. now you may know that Jones has a history of this. Um, the PizzaGate story. <laughs> Where they oh, claimed yeah. there was a pizza store that was really a front for a child oh, yeah. sex trafficking ring that involved the Clintons, um, he he was pushing that story um, for years until a guy walked into the pizza parlor with a gun and started shooting it up, and then Jones backtracked, said, "No, no, no, I know, no, no, I don't believe that. That's not true." He's done the same thing now with Sandy Hook, and he's backed off on Trump. So. Again, fascinating times uh, in America. Um, how do you guys feel being the country that's produced Alex Jones and Mike Chernovich? I think I think the more, more interesting question is if the alt-right actually cares what they think and will actually listen to them. Because I think one of the things that was very interesting for the alt-right movement that kind of got Trump elected was that they didn't really care for any media or what any media said even fox news they just they turned out and they voted for him because he because trump was speaking and they didn't care whether fox news was supporting him or against him or whether there was reports reports of you know sexual assault or of him uh all the bad things he has done of being a fraudulent uh, person who scammed people out of money at Trump University or the fact that he uh, didn't rent or sell to African-American people, I think they don't care. that As long as Trump is speaking, they will they will keep voting for him because they'll take it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. He's got a base of about 30... He's got a base of about 30% of America. And now that he's slept with a porn star and a Playboy model... That's actually gone up to 38%. But the point is, he can do no wrong for those people. Wait, really? You know, the Karen, Karen McDougal and the... Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that, but I didn't know that his numbers had increased because of No, it. no, no. I'm just saying a bunch of guys probably jumped on board. He, he, he had sex with who? Well, well, hot damn, that guy's my hero. But anyway, no, I'm just saying um, he, he has a base of a percentage of people that will follow him no matter what. what it doesn't matter Fox News who drops him. It doesn't matter who on the alt-right criticizes him. I think you're absolutely right. And I remember news reports about during the election where people were like going, well, I don't listen to any news. I just heard this man speak. I liked what he said, and I'm going to go and I'm going to vote for him. To hell with the news. They and and so what they report or do or don't do won't affect a certain percentage of that base. 
You know, I think you're right. And I, I think one of the things that um, we've seen time and time again with uh, a particular kind of mindset, and it's and it's not just the guys that get into Alex Jones, but also conspiracy theorists on the far sort of crazy side of the left as well. It's There's this idea that when somebody says, somebody that you have previously liked and respected does or says something you don't like or respect, you automatically go, oh, well, they've just been corrupted by X. Uh, um, right. So a classic example is uh, Julian Assange and WikiLeaks when he was exposing stuff that the Bush administration did years ago. The left in America, fucking all over. They wanted to come on his back and have his babies. Um, Assange was great. As soon as he started criticizing Hillary Clinton, they're like, oh, he's fucking working with the Russians and, and the Trump right. organization. Um, no evidence to, to, to support that accusation. It's just as soon as somebody you previously liked does something you don't like, you just start casting aspersions. So I'm, I guarantee you, you'll have people uh, on the, the, the alt-right who will now be saying, oh, they got to Alex Jones. They got to Mike Chernovich. Yeah. They've been corrupted by, you know, they X, Y, Z. They're, they're, <laughs> they're just players. The same, right. this is a funny thing. The same thing <laughs> that Alex Jones is saying about Trump, people on the right will be saying about Alex Jones, and it's just turtles all the way down. I hear about. I've had people say to me about Noam Chomsky. Well, you know, Chom- Chomsky's really just uh, getting paid, uh, you know, by the corporate elite to be, you know, fake left because I don't know. He doesn't believe, and yeah. he, he doesn't believe that nine eleven was an inside job. When Chomsky came out and said, "Well, I don't think there's ev- any evidence really to support that," um, <laughs> all the crazy conspiracy theory. Well, you know, Chomsky's Chomsky's obviously being paid to uh, to say that. Uh, say that, yeah. yeah. Like, really, this guy has been a political activist for 60 years, been arrested, etc., 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 but you believe that he's on the take because he said something you don't agree with. Right. So there's crazies on all sides, which is why I always say, whether I'm arguing with people on the left or the right, and I get criticised for this all the time, let's wait for the fucking evidence before we make a decision. Entertain possibilities. Huh. But That's an idea. It's a crazy idea, I know. But it's like, <laughs> wait for the evidence. Like, was 9-11 an inside job? Hey, possibly. Would I put it past uh, the, the, the Bush administration Cheney. and Rumsfeld and Cheney? No, I wouldn't put it past them at all. But do I have any evidence to believe that is true? No, I don't. So what is my position on it? I'm agnostic on it. Okay. So, pos- so to... to- uh, to, uh, step one, let's wait for the evidence. Step two, while you're waiting for the evidence, don't be a cunt. <laughs> step three, start a sex cult. <laughs> Somebody had an engine revving up in the background there, but... Uh, I thought that was you. No, it wasn't me. I don't know where that was coming from. Well, it's that's... The beginning of the $6 million man. Da-na-na-na. It was, yeah. That was, yeah, my uh, bionic eye uh, warming up. <laughs> well, that's the end of the show. I'd like to... A little golf clap for Sherlock uh, for inviting himself well on. Done. Um, now Ray's going to invite himself on to Sherlock's mum, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> it's called a date, Cam. Well done, Sherlock. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, you need to be able to learn, do you know how to dance salsa, Ray? Actually, I do. Oh, wow. So does Keith Ranieri because his mother was a ballroom dancer, so you've got that in common. You have all the all the makings of <laughs> the founder of a sex cult, Ray. Yes! Fist pump! Mm. Um, Sherlock, uh, if people want to uh, follow you online, where should they go? Uh, don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you invited yourself on this, but you don't want people to follow you online. That's great. Um, oh, if you want to follow Who's Ray and I, week, uh, yeah. fuck, whoever invites themselves on, I guess we've started something. Um, uh, can I invite myself on next week? Can, uh, I pre- well, can I schedule an appointment now? It'll depend on how many votes you get uh, from the judges, uh, yeah. Sherlock. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I got to go. It was an inside job when the judges don't vote me on. That's right. Yeah, it's a deep state. Deep state got to them. Got to go. Got a meeting to get to. Uh, 
Don't forget to subscribe to The Bullshit Filter um, if you're listening to this for the first time in iTunes or podcast app of your choice. If you can't find it under Bullshit Filter because, I don't know, it's the, the US deep state censors us sometimes, just look for the BS Filter. Uh, I'm on micro.blog, Cameron Arm, on Facebook, Cameron Riley, Twitter, Cameron Riley. Ray is, uh, what, World War II podcast on most places? Yeah. Uh, yeah, WW2. WWII podcast is where you'll find Ray on most things, just to make it difficult. And don't follow Sherlock. He doesn't need stalkers. He's a young man. (laughs) His whole life ahead of him. I have, uh, my website is DW, no, detectiveWS.com. And you can find everything else there. Sherlock's too busy perfecting his fake British accent to be uh, interacting (laughs) with people online. He's planning his next move. Yeah. All right. We've got to go. Bullshit. Bullshit. Bullshit.